Blog Talk Radio. Show and I am your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from Houston, Texas at 9 a.m. Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, or get reminders of upcoming shows. The call-in number here is 347-945-5309 if you would like to listen on your phone. I want to remind you also that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics, spirituality, the coming changes, and all the kinds of things that we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this free newsletter out for 11 years at least, and to sign up for that, you would go to my website, hotpinklotus.com. I don't ever share email addresses with anybody because your privacy is important. We have a great show for you today. Our guest is Suchi Kumar who is a radical forgiveness coach and is also an inner freedom coach. She additionally has her own radio show here on Blog Talk Radio, so let's open up the line and talk with her today. She's got a lot of interesting things to say. Hello, Suchi. Hi, Lois. Hi, Hi, Lois. So, you know, I think the first question I have for you is, I know from reading your website that you're a very educated woman and that you studied law. And how did you go from there? Because I know this is going to be an interesting story. How did you go from there into doing spiritual, metaphysical forgiveness work? Well, yeah, that is an interesting story. Going into law was about 25 years ago. And I actually turned out that wasn't the right thing for me. It was um, what I would call a very brained activity, and I'm a very right-brained person. So within the first, like, three months of studying in law school, my vision, my actual eyesight went from being 20-20 to, like, I could barely see my right eye. So even though I graduated from law school, I knew that wasn't the right thing for me. And I was just very um, angry and depressed due to the way I used to blame it on the way I grew up. That was how it all started. I blamed my parents for my inability to create the life that I wanted to create in my professional life and in my social life. And so basically I ended up living on an ashram in my uh, late 20s, early 30s, and that's how my spiritual path began. Interesting. Yeah, but it wasn't even until a couple of ago that I actually started on this forgiveness path because I was doing... You know, I had done a lot of spiritual work, but I wasn't able to let go of anger towards my parents. Um, it was a pretty dysfunctional thing. But uh, somehow I decided that I had suffered enough. And once I was ready, it a lot of the stuck energy, most of it, I just left. After I practiced this process over and over again. Mm-hmm. So exactly, well, the... Really, I want to ask what the difference between radical forgiveness and forgiveness is, but I think a lot of people don't know what forgiveness is because a lot of people think it means saying it's okay what that other person did to me. So would you like to define for us what forgiveness actually is? 
Sure. Well, um, well, true forgiveness, and we can call it radical forgiveness or true forgiveness, it's um, a process by which you can transcend victim consciousness and let go of your anger or hurt towards any person or situation. So the idea is that you may feel hurt feelings or get upset um, that might be triggered by an external situation or another person, but the idea is that all suffering begins in the mind and doesn't depend on the external situation. Suffering comes from resisting life, and when we stop resisting life, life flows easily. So what happens in the, the forgiveness process is, well, it goes beyond the mind and creates an energetic shift that can be felt in the body. And that's because forgiveness is nothing more than releasing stuck energy. And it's making a decision that you no longer want and hold somebody else accountable for something that they did. And so since it is beyond the mind, the mind can never understand it. The logical, rational mind, from a place of inner and nothing wrong ever happened. And so that's the part that's not understandable by the rational part of the mind. Just spiritual things, as you know, you talk about on your show. Most spiritual things can't be understood by the mind, but need to be experienced first to be understood. So basically, it's a decision to stop suffering and to, to not be a victim anymore. I'm noticing we've got a couple of callers who um, have their hands up. So let's see what if they've got a question. Is that okay with you? Sure. Why not? Okay. Um, caller with a phone number ending in 9500. You're uh, you're on the line. Did you have a question? Just not. Okay. Okay, we've got a caller here whose number ends with seven. Did you have a question or are you just listening? They must have been just listening. Okay. Um, When they press one, then I think they want to say something. So let's go ahead and ask you the next question, which is how... uh, how did you got, get involved in teaching radical forgiveness? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question. How did you get involved in teaching radical forgiveness? Well, about like I said, it was only about two years ago that I finally got the last piece. I had been teaching something that had a lot of the pieces of radical forgiveness for many, many years. And finally I got the the last piece of it and it changed my life so thoroughly and so completely. And I'm a very, very intuitive person. I have been since I was three years old. And I've always been teaching a bunch of different things for the last 20-something years. I've taught yoga, like law of attraction since the 1980s. I taught many different things. I taught people how to heal their vision after I learned how to heal my vision. And the universe is you know, just told me to go out and teach this, that a lot of healing would come through me and to go out and do this. And I did not want to work in a cubicle anymore. So I just followed that energy that was pushing me to go out and share this with others. So um, you're a radical forgiveness coach. That means that you studied at one point with uh, Colin Tipping's group. Is that right? 
Yes, I did take um, a certification class uh, with Colin Tipping. He wrote the book called John Radical Forgiveness. But I have to say that I even teach it. It comes through me a little bit differently, of course, than it would come through Colin. So um, there are some assumptions. There are like 12 assumptions of radical forgiveness, and only about seven of them I actually teach to others. And what are those assumptions that you teach to people so that we can understand what's the difference between, you know, regular forgiveness and radical forgiveness? Okay, well, first I'll say, yeah, like the the difference, traditional forgiveness is like we just say let bygones be bygones. We still believe that something wrong has happened, and then we feel victimized still. Mm-hmm. So in um, this true forgiveness, it's basically when you let go, it's instantaneous. It's an energetic shift that can be felt in the body. So a lot of people sometimes say, I think I've forgiven, but I'm not sure. So that's an indication that you haven't forgiven. If you're not sure, you haven't because you will experience it in the body, even if the subtle shifts can be experienced. And it's a shift in consciousness. Totally shift your victim consciousness. You no longer feel like a victim and you no longer feel like anything wrong has happened. Whereas in traditional forgiveness, it's like being righteous. You say, okay, I'll forgive that person even though they did something bad. You know, you still think something wrong happened. So that's the main difference is the whole trans-victim consciousness. But some of the assumptions are that the people who appear the most troublesome to us are our greatest teachers. And what you can't heal what you can't feel. I'm sure you've heard that. Um, to the extent that we resist and judge others, we'll determine what you experience is joyful or painful. And one interesting one that I experience in my life is that everything that we call life is only an illusion and only love is real. I think that originally came from the Course in Miracles. That what appears to be happening in the objective world is just an illusion, an illusion, a projection of our consciousness. And so some of the things, the main things that I teach are um, what the shadow is, which includes core negative beliefs and projections. And once we work on owning our core negative beliefs and our projections, that's how the shift occurs. Okay, so... I seem to recall from that book that um, one of the main things he taught was something you mentioned briefly earlier, and that is that if uh, if you're having trouble forgiving someone, then take a look at if they came to teach you something, what might it be that they came to teach? Right. Well, the main thing they came to teach is that you have some unhealed business. <laughs> so basically what happens is when we're younger, it usually starts at a very young age, we start developing what we call the shadow. And that refers to um, building up unhealed energy into our energetic field. Were you going to say something? Uh, I was under the impression it was repressed parts of the self. Exactly, yes. Um, what happens as we're growing up, we repress. Like a lot yes, of men that is repress anger and it comes out in a partner because they can't express anger themselves. It wasn't okay when they were little. Like that. Yeah, that's, that's, that is exactly it. 
Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. So what happens is we'll have a situation and we'll just resist it. If we feel angry, we think that something shouldn't be happening or a person shouldn't act that way. But it, ha- it starts when we're very, very young. So we, it might not, we might not even be aware of it by now. And basically we just repress these feelings and then just push them down. And sometimes by the time we're, you know, even adults, we don't even realize we're doing it. You can do it in a second. Something happens to you and you just shove it down so quickly that people are actually very unaware of a big side of their, what we call the shadow. All those repressed emotions go in the shadow and that's it gets stuck in our energetic field. So basically we'll attract people and situations into our life due to this unhealed energy that we have repressed all this anger. And so like you were saying, say you're angry. Well, I had a lot of anger. I can talk about that. My parents were pretty angry and so I had also like it wasn't okay to be angry in our family. So I repressed a lot of that anger. And so I could attract situations and people into my life that would trigger that anger so that I could heal it. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about the shadow is, by definition, you do not know it's there. You think it's in other people. That's the very definition of the shadow. So when somebody uh, pushes your buttons, it's really hard to say, okay, part of my shadow that's really hard and most people won't do it right well that's true and that's what um, we call projection so that's how projection like will fit in with the shadow Mm -hmm. basically um, we basically think someone should be different or do something different and we judge them we judge situations you'd be surprised at how often people judge everything and think everything should be different I mean all day long if you haven't started to do this type of work So this might come as a surprise for many people, but every time we judge somebody else, it's because of a characteristic that exists within ourselves, in our shadow, that we have disowned, like every single time. And it's hard for us, especially in what we call, like, difficult situations. So, um, but the thing thing is, the entire universe is inside of us. Every characteristic in the universe is inside each of us. And that doesn't mean we might have the probability of expressing each of those characteristics. But whatever somebody thinks is bad and resists, they're not going to want to see in themselves. So if they see, uh, let's say somebody sees a mother hitting her child too harshly, they think, oh, what a bad mother. And they can't see, and they don't want to admit that they would be a so-called bad mother. See, not that there's such, you know, anything like a such as a bad mother, but they resist it so much they won't be able to see it. Any of the hard things so that people mainly project on, say, the nightly news. They say, well, I would never do that. And that is a really good indicator of something that is in your shadow when you have, when you speak with righteousness or say things like, I would never do that. That's a very good indicator that you have something in your shadow that you're not looking at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this popped into my head, so I want to I want to mention it because I think it's significant, and that is this is something I, I didn't realize until long after I discovered the definition of the shadow, is that sometimes we repress beautiful good things about ourselves. And we can also well, that's true too. The most amazing uh, saint-like qualities, especially well, yeah, yes. Mm. 
I mean, because just as you said, every quality in the universe is in each and every one of us. And there are plenty of people who are repressing good things. And that's one thing that most people forget to mention is like we don't just repress the dark. We also repress some of our most brilliant light. Right? That's true. And I think that's because there's two sides to every coin. If you're repressing, say, um, I don't know, what's the opposite of anger, happiness or joy? If you're repressing anger, you're also repressing joy. It's easier to see with like a core negative beliefs because our core negative beliefs are also in our shadow. So generally people have some form of not okayness, like unworthy, not good enough, not enough, unlovable. So say you're pushing away unworthy, and at the same time you're also pushing away worthy. You fight so hard to push away, you know, the one you don't, want unworthy that you're also pushing away worthy because that resists persists and the more you push something away the more it sticks around and what happens is once you own being unworthy the truth is we're all say unworthy in certain situations you know if you want to look at it that way and we're all worthy in certain situations so neither is true or false we're we're both worthy and unworthy but as long as we're resisting one side of it it's hard for us to actually own the other side as well. Mm-hmm. And so when you um, when you work on one of those core beliefs, can you give us some examples of someone accessing, say, their sense of unworthiness and what happened as a result in their lives? Have you Do you have any stories like that? Um, sure. Like, for instance, um, Say you're, okay, I had a, I met somebody who grew up in a family who was um, very violent. And so, and a lot of also other characteristics that the parents would tell them, you know, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And so it generally happens in a very young age, uh, children start to believe that they're not good enough. So this person, even though they were very beautiful and talented and smart and intelligent, um, really believed that they weren't good enough to do their dreams. And and so they never owned being good enough. They would always try, you know, she would always try her whole life to be good enough um, because uh, she kept pushing away not good enough. And she had a lot of self-sabotaging patterns as well. For instance, uh, she kept either getting fired from jobs or losing jobs and wasn't able to hold. Um, she could meet people pretty easily but wasn't able to hold sexual relationship for long periods of time. So whenever you run into like repeating patterns, that is an indication that you have something stuck and that forgiveness could help you. And so what happens was, you know, she just had a lot of self-sabotaging patterns in life. And when she finally understood, she let go. And it's, it's like an energetic shift that happens and at that time she realized that even though her parents had acted in a certain way that nothing wrong had ever happened basically that um, in the beginning when she came she could recount every single detail over and over again about what they did they did this and they said that and there was this time when they did this once it was gone like one way you can tell that it's really gone is she can't even remember now like she can remember a few facts but really not a lot of details about what happened because when you let it go and you cut the energetic cord, 
it's just gone. It really is gone. And so she can say, well, they did do this, this, and this, but there's no anger about it. It's just a very peace about it. And now she has a very great relationship with her parents, which are still alive, even though you can forgive people once they pass into another dimension. And so basically, then she went on to have a great relationship, a long marriage, that's what she wanted, and also to create um, a very nice livelihood for herself. So I made a lot of friends, and her whole life really changed after that. So it kind of frees up energy to work with that was being tied up in the um, rehashing of the story, doesn't it? Yes, we have so much energy. Basically, let's say we have 100% energy to use in the present. If we have, we could have, some people have up to 50 to 70% of their energy, like going towards past events that they're holding anger towards. And then, of course, maybe in this economy, they have maybe 10 or 20% going towards future worries, which leaves very little energy left for us to use in the present. So once you let go of past stuck energy, you have much more energy to use in the present, and that's why it makes manifesting a lot easier. And it's also very noticeable um, to me and also to you. If you looked at somebody's face and body before and after they forgive, the energy will change. I've seen people look years younger, and the whole energy of the body will feel lighter it's really amazing. In one second, they can go from looking 10 years older to looking 10 years younger because it saps so much of our energy. And also that energy that's, that we don't have for use in the present that's stuck in the past, it is said that that energy can also contribute to disease too. I believe that. I've seen plenty of cases of that, that prove that to me as an energy worker. But... Can you talk more about when you say the energy is stuck in the body? What does that mean? Where is it stuck? Well, different people, or uh, can you repeat that? Answer, but I'm not sure other people listening would understand what that means. That's why I want to talk about it some more. Okay. Well, basically. if some, what happens is, say when you're little, or even as an adult, but a lot of this happens when we're quite young, somebody does something. Um, it could even be a traumatic event, but it doesn't actually have to be. It could be something very little. I've seen people hold on to the smallest things where people who had traumatic experiences can really let them go a little quicker. So it doesn't even matter what the experience is. If you're holding on to it, you have a belief that that shouldn't have happened, and you build up a story about it. Well, that person did this and they were wrong and I'm not going to forgive them. And so the energy is really uh, stuck in our energetic field. It's not something you can see, but you can feel it. You know it's there because now, say somebody was controlling to you when you were younger and so you don't like when people tell you what to do because somebody told you what to do and you just didn't like it for whatever reason. And Now, every time someone tells you what to do, even if they're just, um, they might not be controlling in that situation, but you will overreact and you will always react in a harsh way whenever somebody does that thing. That will let you know that there's something stuck in your energetic field. 
because of the way you react to certain situations. For instance, you'll always attract the same type of partner into your life. What if, uh, say, what happens sometimes is if your parents are perhaps violent, uh, you can attract a partner who might be an angry partner. But until, you know, you you can see this when people go from partner to partner and they keep attracting the same kind of person. You can know that you have some unresolved business and we call it stuck in your energetic field. It's in your shadow. And once you have resolved that issue, not only will you feel it, but you'll see that you won't attract that person or that type of person into your life anymore. Okay. I've actually in energy medicine seen in the process of, you know, doing some muscle testing and finding where energy is stuck in the body that can actually be concentrated in small areas. And once you use a technique to move that energy, um, that the physical problem will go away because of that energy being stuck in specific locations. So it's in the energy body, but it's also radiated out into the physical body, either in a specific area or generally like you were speaking about. But it can be in a little small space like a sore place in the hip, for example, that's related to mm-hmm. it can actually be stored in that way, which is pretty amazing when you see that change. Yeah, well, you know, radical forgiveness with Colin Tipping actually began, he went to hospitals, to cancer wards. That's how he began teaching this, to cancer patients. Hmm. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, that was uh, quite some time ago, I believe. So he had results with that? Have people forgave Yes. Yes, but he also did mention that a lot of the people that he ran into um, who had cancer were very reluctant to let go of their anger and judgment of things in the past. Very I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the connection is, but he said that did happen quite a bit. So maybe there's a cause and effect there if you just absolutely are a person who can't let go of things somebody did to you and refuse to uh, do your own inner work. You can just eat yourself up with it. Because cancer is, yeah. in many cases, the body devour- devouring itself. So Yeah, that's what he was saying. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Tell me more about the work. Do you have some more stories about work you've done with individuals and how forgiveness changed their lives? Um, Sure. So I knew a woman who, I work mainly with women, so and also some very exceptional men, but I knew a woman who would basically be upset about any situation. I mean, it's not just for people who are chronically angry, but it does help. It's very good as an anger management tool. And so a person who would just get angry over anything, and this particular person um, was angry at uh, their roommate because their roommate had uh, something about the roommate and the dog. I can't remember exactly. Honestly, when the story was told to me, I didn't even hear what the roommate was doing wrong. But the roommate was, um, the dog would growl a lot when the roommate came by. And so this woman thought that the roommate wasn't being nice to her 
dog, and therefore she loves dogs, and she felt like she needed to protect the dog. But, I mean, her, her overreaction was beyond words, how angry she would get. And I saw her go one week to the next to have letting it go. She just went up and told the roommate, I know this wasn't all your fault. I mean, because they had really gotten into a big thing about it, and this woman was all like, well, I have to move out of the house, and it, or I have to kept, kick this woman out, and all this other thing. It was getting into a big problem, but I intuitively saw that I saw this woman, the one who was the client, as a little girl, and that this had to do with her when she was a little girl. She was about somewhere between three and six years old. I saw her in a little dress, and that in the situation, she was projecting onto the dog. The dog was her when she was younger, and I knew nothing about her growing up when I saw this, but that the dog represented her as a little girl, and she felt nobody protected her. There were situations that she felt no one protected her, and that she was trying to protect the dog. And I asked her if that resonated with her. And she then started telling me a story about her her parents were alcoholics, and she had forgotten all about that. And um, she also did look about 10 years younger, and she let that go. So it might sound funny, but she was protecting the dog. You could do that with children, too, when people really like to protect children because they have unfinished business from when they were children. Yeah, which doesn't mean you wouldn't want to protect a dog or a child, but you wouldn't, if you were healed of that, you would not overreact. Right, you wouldn't, yeah. Beings, but very interesting. So if someone overreacts to something you say to them, it's probably got to do with unresolved business. Because it means... Yeah, most definitely. If somebody overreacts, it's because it's come up before in some other context. Yeah, yes, because it's probably happened many, many, many times before, and that's why it's stuck in their shadow. But they're totally unaware of it. What is stuck in your energetic field in your shadow is you're really unconscious about it most of the time. So really the only way you can know it's there is by how you react to other people. And because that energy is there, you will attract those type of people into your life. Until you let it go. Hmm. I, I, yeah, I had um, an experience whereby, personally, I always wanted to have a certain kind of relationship, like a romantic relationship with a man, but I had all these huge beliefs about, you know, what I could and couldn't find in a relationship. And I finally discovered that underneath all these beliefs was a belief that I wasn't good enough, and therefore I wouldn't find what I wanted, and I could look high and low, and I still could not find that person. And once I totally let that core belief go of not good enough, these men just started coming out of the woodwork. And very unusual, what I was looking for is not in the mainstream. So I don't even have to, I don't even think about it anymore. I don't worry about it anymore. I just meet that kind of person. It's just totally the kind of person I used to meet just doesn't even show up in my life anymore because that energy is cut and gone. What are some of the other core beliefs that people have? Not good enough. What are the others? Um, but generally, some form of not okayness is the most popular. Unworthy, unlovable, stupid, 
um, not enough is a little bit different. Something is wrong with me. A lot of people um, think that there's something inherently wrong with them. Hmm. And, yeah, things like that. Uh, one, I, I, that you don't deserve to have what you want in life, that you'd be able to create your dreams if it wasn't for, you know, some situation that you're blaming other people for. A lot of people think that if they were abused as a child, they'll always be unworthy to create their dreams or no matter how hard they try to fail. And some people are afraid of failure or success or they think, I'm a failure. That's their core belief. So, and basically, you know, you think someone else is responsible for your unhappiness. You blame others for your unhappiness. So, you start practicing the forgiveness process. You start blaming, you stop blaming other people for your unhappiness. So, say you used to get upset. It could be something really little. Say I knew somebody used to get upset because their partner didn't leave, didn't put the cap back on the toothpaste or didn't put the milk carton back in the refrigerator. But, I mean, their reaction was really overblown. And it turned out that I could see very easily and quickly that underneath that, was they did not feel respected by their partner. And they had a big, no one respects me. And so it really didn't have anything to do with the, the milk carton or the cap of the toothpaste. So the partner sometimes still doesn't do that. But now this person, because they let go of that energetic pattern of nobody respects me, and now it doesn't bother her anymore. It's not the actual action, but our belief. We make up stories. A lot, a lot of things that I do in my process is helping people bust their stories because it's not about external situation. No matter what the external situation is or how bad it is, it's always about our stories. The suffering always begins in the mind. Because a lot of times, you know, the event happens like 20 years ago and people are still carrying it. The only place it now exists are thoughts as stories. You know, we keep running it over and over again in our minds and replaying it as if it was still happening. And so basically we could be re-traumatizing ourselves. But the actual event, as upsetting as it might have been, is not happening anymore. If, if it's a case of where it's something that happened, say, when you were a child, it's not happening anymore. Or with a past partner and you're with a new partner, people can still be upset at things years and years after it stops happening. And that's because they're recreating it in the story, in their mind. So they're playing the same drama over and over again, re-traumatizing themselves because they can't remember the event. Right, well, they play the story over and over again so they do remember the event and that they never want to let it go. Something wrong happens. Well, you know, my last partner always treated me really badly um, never came home and and even years later there still still can be replaying that event mm-hmm. or whatever the situation it could be anything any situation like you could see it also like a lot on on the nightly news you could do it with any situation happening in the world but this shouldn't be happening this should be happening once you feel this energetic shift that happens in the body, you realize that we're making up all our ideas about 
what's right and wrong and good and bad. And that's what radical forgiveness means when they say that all that appears to be happening in the objective world is an illusion. It's just a projection of our consciousness. And that's why you see that some people will react differently. Doesn't everybody react differently to different situations? This is because we all have a different shadow. We all have different things that we're resisting in our shadow. So if somebody came in the room and started yelling, one person might stay calm and another person might get very upset based on something they have in their shadow. So the cleaner your shadow, or the more you work with your shadow and clean it up, then the less likely you are to get upset, pretty much. Is that what you're saying? That's one of the signs. Yes, that's, yeah. Yeah, it's very true that, yeah. People that just don't get upset have pretty much cleared their shadows. They've done their shadow work in one way or another, right? Yes. However, you, you know, I always want to be sure people aren't doing a spiritual bypass, and it's pretty easy to tell. I'm sure you could tell the difference between somebody who is really peaceful and somebody who is, you know, minimizing or denying. So we also have a concept called spiritual bypass. And that's when, that's because it's called spiritual bypass because a lot of spiritual people do it. And basically it's you're bypassing your feelings. And, you know, one of the concepts is that Everything is in divine perfection and nothing wrong ever happened. But like I said, that goes beyond the mind and you have to experience it. But sometimes people kind of understand it from an intellectual point of view, if that's possible, and they'll say things like, I know this is perfect and nothing wrong ever happened. And meanwhile, they're still feeling angry about it. And so they're still talking about it. That's because they bypass one of the most important parts of forgiveness, which is acknowledging, honoring, and feeling your feelings fully. So it, a lot of spiritual people think that when you become enlightened that you'll never feel any bad feelings like anger, and that's not, and that's not true. It's just to meet whatever comes up. If you're feeling anger in the moment, then to truly feel it and the energy will pass through. What happens is we learn when we're younger to repress these feelings, and that's how they get stuck. So, and often when people talk about letting go or releasing anger, they really mean getting rid of it because they judge it as wrong or undesirable or even scary. And so they don't want to feel it. And so when they talk about it and process it intellectually, they bypass actually feeling it. So trying to process the emotions through talking about it is another form of resistance. Hmm. So... They actually, what they're doing is damping down their feelings so they can pretend that they've done work they haven't, so they can tell themselves they've done work they haven't. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. I'm not saying that they necessarily do it on purpose because a lot of this is unconscious. But you can see when people are minimizing or denying. Like even last year, I remember a woman, it could be the tiniest thing that a woman was uh, living with her sister and these were you know, adult women, and she was upset about the toilet paper. Something about the toilet paper situation, you know, she was the only one in the house that would ever replenish the toilet paper, and she was angry about it. And so one day uh, she came into a group that I was in saying, well, that doesn't matter, right? It's just toilet paper. But I could see right away that she was bothered by it mm-hmm. because even if it's just toilet paper, if you feel that anger, just feel it. Or if you feel it, it could be like any daily irritation, you know oh, nothing wrong ever happened, it's perfect, but if it bothers you, uh, it's really important to honor and acknowledge your feelings. 
counseling. That's one of the main things. The main things of radical forgiveness is telling our stories, feeling our feelings. I'd say those are the two main things that help people deal with the shadow. In other words, not stuffing things, going ahead and feeling it and taking a look at it in the moment. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, because we can use any opportunity to heal. So um, in any moment, we could be helping to heal ourselves because it's all about unresisting life. So anytime you're having a feeling that's coming up, any energy that's coming up and you feel like you're resisting it, you can use that as an opportunity to heal. You could do it when you're alone. What if, you know, I live in Oregon and it rains a lot. There are a lot of people who don't like to see rain and cloudiness two weeks in a row. People get kind of upset about that. You could use that to unresist life. You know, it could be a a situation. It could be anything, yeah. You say to unresist life, is that what you said? Yeah, I think the bottom line of forgiveness is unresisting life, and that is, um, you know, one of the assumptions of radical forgiveness to the extent with which we resist and judge will determine determine whether our experience is joyful or painful. So, and you can see that in any situation. For instance, it doesn't bother me if it's cloudy two weeks in a row. But some people get, you know, they just are resisting that. It doesn't have to even be something personal. Obviously, it's not raining to upset that particular person. But you could use that. You can use any situation that's happening in your life. This, You know, I did this as a daily practice you know, I did let go of big things towards, um, you know, my parents. But you could let go of anything. And if you do it, like I started, when I started doing it, I started with judgments and anger because I had so many of them that that's where my practice started. And I did it several times a day in the beginning because I was determined to have some healing here. And it went beyond, like all I wanted to do, like most people, was to stop suffering but it actually can go beyond that. You can have some real spiritual growth through this practice. Talk to me about or talk to us about the relationship between radical forgiveness and the law of attraction. Okay. Well, I have, I think that radical forgiveness, I've heard other people say this, but I really think that radical forgiveness is the secret ingredient in the law of attraction. And, why I say that, at least for me, because I taught Law of Attraction for like 20 years. Um, I started in the 80s, and I remember seeing that movie, The Secret, maybe five years ago, whenever it came out. And I remember sitting there for the first hour wondering what The Secret was. I couldn't figure it out. I kept trying to figure out what The Secret was, and I finally realized, oh, okay, that's The Secret. Like attracts like is basically what the Law of Attraction is. That was The, that was the Secret. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was a secret. <laughs> I kept trying to figure out what's the secret because I had been teaching it for like 20 years. Yeah. But what, what I couldn't figure out, yeah, I guess I always knew that we had core negative beliefs, shadow, and the projection, but what I couldn't figure out was how to actually let it go and teach others how to let it go because what happens is once you let it go, then manifesting comes easily. And so... Um, you know, basically the resistance is 
like what's in our way of manifesting. We have all this energy stuck in the past, like we were talking about, and there's not enough energy left to manifest. So it's the difference between like pushing an object over a piece of ice, it's nice and smooth, it's like skating on ice, versus pushing an object over concrete, all those bumps and all those resistances, you know? And so what I have found a law of attraction is that it just is. It's not really something you do. It really just is. And if you were to let go of, of all the stuck energy in your shadow, things would start manifesting because you just bring in all your energy into the present. And you don't even have to do like, um, you know, affirmations and visualizations and people, I used to make a list of attributes and do a lot of affirmations and visualizations. And I find that I, don't, I never do any of that anymore. I have it for years. It's basically just about surrender because the entire universe is inside of you and what could you really tell it? And I just realized from my own experience that actually, you know, the affirmations and the, you know, visualizations and all of that, this might go over well with the diehard law of attraction fans, but it, it does seem like a form of control and resistance to me. Because now you're telling the universe, okay, I want, I want a car, I want it to be a convertible, it needs to be silver, it needs to have, you know, big wheels and a nice radio and, and power windows and all this. Other seats. Exactly. <laughs> but see, we're telling the universe what we want, but the universe knows, knows everything, and it, if we just get out of the, its way, it'll give us everything we want and more. So it almost feels like a form of control to do the law of attraction, the way some people were practicing it, and even the way I was practicing it. It just seems that when we unclench, you know, we have this resistance, and when we unclench, everything can manifest easily. And I have an example I like to give people. It's about, you know these green garden hoses that you hook up outside your house to water your garden? So basically you hook it up and you turn on the water full force and the water will come out in full force. And that the water represents life force energy. The hose would be your body. And say your hand is on the hose. The hand is like the ego slash rational mind, and imagine clenching your hands on that hose like so hard that the water just starts dripping out at the end. Well, that is your life force energy. That's, all those drips is not going to water your garden. It's not going to make the garden grow. You're gonna, maybe it will make one little plant grow, you know. And so that's how much energy we have left to manifest our dreams. And when we do forgiveness, it's like unclenching that ego, unclenching the hands, and the water just the life force energy just comes full and through in full force. And so that example came to me once, and I really, I really think it's a, a good example of what we do when we're holding on to judgment and anger towards people versus when we let go of it and how we let the life force energy come through us. We don't have to actually practice the law of attraction. The law of attraction just is. We surrender to the universe and miracles just start happening. I mean, the story I told before with the woman and the roommate, as soon as she told, no sooner did she tell her roommate, I, it's not your fault. I don't blame you for anything. She found the most perfect new place to move. And she said, it was the first place I called and that never happens to me. And that's a really good example of that. So if we're holding on to things in the shadow, in the unconscious mind, 
um, things we need to heal, things we need to forgive, then we don't, we are not attracting what we want because like attracts like. And things we're unaware of are attracting to us things we don't want. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Interesting. So the trick is to become aware of what it is you're unaware of. And that's what your process does for people? Exactly. And, you know, you can start doing it. People could start doing it on their own just by noticing their reactions. Uh If you're reacting to a situation, you can say, what am I believing about this situation? And But if you need help, you could always, you know, take a class or do coaching, that type of thing. But, yeah, you could become aware of it. Um, If you're having patterns that are redoing themselves over and over again in your life, that is an indication. And, you know, another thing that happens from this process is you can start disidentifying with the ego. And I don't mean disassociation. I mean disidentifying with with these stories that the ego tells. And so as these veils fall away, this life force energy can move through us more freely. And then we're more in the present. And when you have more energy in the present, you can manifest whatever you want and very easily you don't have to go through a process so you don't really have to do any kind of um, manifestation rituals as long as you're once you get your shadow completely healed and clear well you don't even have to get it completely clear if you clear it up even bit by bit you'll you know you'll get you know say you you know, forgive your last partner, maybe get 10% energy back that. And then you forgive your parent and you get another 10% energy back from that. You know, everything that you let go of, you get a certain amount of energy back from that. And it, your life will start changing without having to be fully clear. Okay. You know what just occurred to me, which I think is interesting, and I'm just going to say it, is the fully enlightened people don't have shadows. I would agree with that. Those are the people who have cleared their shadows, and they manifest in a heartbeat. Everything they need shows up. Yeah, and they're totally unresisting life. Watch how they how they are in life. They're totally unresisting. I mean, if you had a room full of people and maybe somebody came in waving around a gun and yelling, most people are going to start panicking, but uh, that enlightened person would just sit there calm you could probably even feel their heart rate it doesn't even move i have an example of that when i used to live on this ashram like 20 years ago we were all at satsang one night it was just a group meeting and it was a huge room like an auditorium and our teacher was alive at that time and he was sitting there up on the stage so we could all see him and a bat a bat flew in the room and it was flying you know, it was panicking because it was in a room full of people and not outside anymore. And it was flying sometimes low over people's head and it flew around our teacher's head. He felt really calm. And I remember him saying, you know, if this bat was flying in another room right now, everyone would be running around trying to kill it. But we all sat there quietly and calmly because he was sitting there quietly and calmly. And I remember that night after we all left, we left the doors open. And in the morning, the bat was gone. Presumably had just flown out. So, but he stayed so calm, it flew so close to him, and he didn't bat an eye. It's what's there to resist. There's a bat in the room, you know, but 
he was right. In other situations, people would be like running around trying to get it out because well, this shouldn't be happening. There shouldn't be a bat in the room. Judgment about what is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, um, in in that context, then, if if what you're doing with radical forgiveness or inner freedom coaching is clearing gradually the shadow, and which is a way of shining light into the darkness, and then the ultimate, the ultimate would be enlightenment. So it could be seen, radical forgiveness could be seen as a path to enlightenment. Well, the way I practice it, which is a little different, you know, radical forgiveness also has some tools like worksheets and things like that, which I actually don't even share and I don't even do them myself. But the way I practice it with clearing the shadow, owning core negative beliefs and owning every projection I had, um, I can unequivocally definitely say that, yes, that can lead to enlightenment. You know, it's just so amazing how many different paths there are to enlightenment. There are many, many ways to get there. There are many, many, many ways. Uh-huh. But I think the result is non-resisting life. However you can unresist life, that's your way. So do you offer any, um, like, online coaching in, as individuals, groups, or anything like that? for um, the forgiveness work? Well, I do have a website, uh, which is www.innerfreedomcoach.com, and I have a few events coming up in, in March. That's in here in Eugene in Oregon. But I do coaching by phone and Skype. Mm-hmm. And so I will have a, like a teleclass shortly, and if people want to contact me about that, I would totally welcome that. But I do individual coaching via my Skype phone, and if people are long distance, I call them in case they have phone charges. Mm-hmm. And so all the details are on your website about how to go about doing that if somebody wanted to do that? Yes, all the details are on my website. Right now you can push the contact button and just contact me and send me a message. But um, my website is being revamped. And therefore, there's going to be an appointment button right on my website, and then you can just click that, and you, it'll show you what times I have free, and you can book the appointment right through my website. But if the appointment button isn't up, just push contact, or you can call me. My number is also on my website. Amazing. So you're in Eugene, Oregon. I am, but I also traveled all over Oregon, and in the summer I'll be in California and possibly Washington as well. And so if people are out there that want to invite me to speak to their group, I'm happy to come. I speak to organizations and, like, spiritual organizations, women's organizations, you know, all kinds of organizations. Very lovely. Is there anything else you want to tell people before we wrap it up today? Um, Just that forgiveness, forgiveness can work for anybody. And it's really just a, a word of learning how to release this energy that we have pent up. And it's, a, it's just a, different, it's a shift in consciousness, a different way of going through it. And it's totally worth it. And it can work for anybody. If you're ready and willing to change your life, I'd say go for it because this is a good time in the world. 
And not only is inner healing, but I think personal healing equals planetary healing. So whatever any of us can do to heal us ourselves will help heal the planet. Exactly. It's all an inside job anyway. Everything we see out there is a mirror of what's inside, right? So as we clear that, exactly. we heal the planet as well. When we heal the inner. I, yes. Well, yes, we're all one. So whatever we heal with us will get healed in the world. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you for being here with us today. Oh, and thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me. You're welcome. And thank you to everybody who's listened today to the show and those who will listen in the archives. Thank you. 